Hello everyone and welcome to the Slightly Scientific Podcast. Probably the only podcast hosted by three 14-year-olds and in this episode it will be me, Finley and Oscar. And this is episode 6 which is absolutely insane. Uh, you know, time has flown by since I first started the podcast which I think was in August 2020. So we've had this podcast for several months, more than several months. Eight months? I've probably got the maths wrong. I've got no idea, but a long time. And today, um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode because we are going to be interviewing an Emmy-nominated documentary producer and um, filmer, Sophie Stephenson-Wright. And let me just say, straight off the bat, her stories, um, the adventures she's been on are are amazing. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy this episode because... um, it's it's really interesting to see all the behind the scenes of how these documentaries are made, the time it takes for um, people like her to uh, make them. And overall, I think it's a really interesting job to have and to discuss. So without further ado, um, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> How do you how do you plan a documentary? Um, that is a very good question. It is uh, a very short question that has a very long answer. Um, planning a documentary takes a long time and a lot of people. Um, so I guess it probably helps to talk about sort of making a documentary in total. Um, just making a a documentary that's half an hour or an hour long can take six months to a year so and that's just making it um and it takes a huge team of people that do all sorts of different jobs it's definitely not just a director or a producer you have crew that do camera and sound you have researchers you have um people who look for archive and footage you have all the legal team you have production managers that support all the logistics of getting you out on shoot if you're traveling abroad you have fixers that help you with the language and booking things um it really is a huge huge team effort and I think that's the the thing I always like to remind people because it's very easy to see one or two names at the end of a film but actually it's it's a huge team of people that that make it all happen. Um, In terms of coming up with the ideas for documentaries, um, they can kind of come from anywhere. Uh, You can, um, for science documentaries, quite often we're looking through the news and for new studies, new results, exciting new projects. Um, Quite a lot of the time you're trying to stay ahead of the news because you want to be able to to show the film, you know, when the announcement is made about a big new discovery, but that usually means you have to have been starting to make the film about a year beforehand, which means you probably have to have been planning the film at least a year and a half or two years beforehand. Um, So yeah, it's, um, we're very lucky, but it's a hard job. You have to try and really stay connected with the scientific community and, and make sure you're you know, using your journalistic nose and finding out about what's going on and, and, and earning that trust to kind of find out what scientists are working on really before they're ready to announce it to the public. Uh, and then you can be kind of making your your exciting film or, or your news documentary or whatever it is so that um, it can kind of all get released at the same time. But in terms of the time it takes, it really depends on the project. Some things can 
be uh, in development for three or four or five years uh, if it just takes that long to get the trust of contributors or to get the story right or to convince a, a, a channel or a broadcaster that they should pay to have the film made. Um, but if it's a really urgent story or, or something that happens in the news, you know, you can get it developed and commissioned in a few days and, you know, even made and finished two, three, four weeks later, if it's a really fast turnaround kind of current affairs story. Uh, usually no one gets any sleep and you have a team that's about four times the usual size if you're trying to do that, but uh, it is doable. So I hope that answers your question. Oh yeah, that's crazy that it can take from anywhere from just a few weeks to years and years. Yeah, I mean, the sort of the thing to think about, I guess, is it's not an easy job if you're, uh, we call them channel commissioners. So they're the people that work for the BBC or Channel 4 or uh, news networks or you know Netflix or, or wherever it is and it's their job essentially to choose what they want to show on their channels and they have a certain amount of money and they can only make so many films and they kind of have to allocate the budgets to different filmmakers at different companies and and really plan out you know not just what's going on your television screens or your streaming services that week but next month then in six months time and you know again for some projects it will be planning for two or three years time so if there's a big anniversary of something or a major event you know you'll have teams planning those several years in advance so I, I don't envy them their job I think it is um slightly miraculous they have so much to juggle and obviously we're on the other side we're always desperately trying to convince them to to give us their money to make the films that we want to make so it's like a massive commitment when you choose to make these documentaries it is quite a big commitment. It takes a long time. It's certainly uh, it's certainly less fast turnaround than say if you were a a, a, a journalist, um, you may, maybe a written journalist. You know, it takes a lot longer to to make a film than it maybe does to write an article. Which isn't just you know there are some articles that do take years of research and writing, but um, you don't have the option usually to turn it around so quickly. Uh, or if you you know news journalists as well used to. To turning things around in, in a few days or, or a few weeks so um, it is a slower process it's a more painstaking process um, but that is part of the joy of the job is you get to take time to really work with the subject matter really plan really execute the film the way you want to you get to spend um, time obviously planning it and filming it but you spend a huge amount of time in the edits so most films you'd spend a, a minimum of two months just editing all the footage uh, and making all those little decisions about music and um, and the voiceover. And it, it it's a real joy to get to spend that much time making something uh, and telling that story, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, how would you film at sea? Um, so, I recently worked on a documentary uh, where I was filming on a ship for a couple of months um, and it was with the Royal Navy so it was actually a, a warship uh, which was a very exciting experience. Um, filming at sea I guess there are a few crucial differences uh, to filming on land the main one being that the ground is always moving um, and one of the important things when you're trying to film is is trying to stand still. So um, that was probably, I'd say, the biggest challenge was trying to um, staying upright. We got quite used to it was more 
holding the camera steady. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you guys will be familiar with spirit levels, but we have these little spirit levels on our cameras or our tripods that help us, you know, figure out when when the shot is level. But of course, that goes out the window when the ship is pitching uh, every minute of every day. So I'd say that was probably the hardest thing. Uh, seasickness, fortunately, only hit us for the first few days. But I can tell you that as well. Trying to film while you're seasick is uh, is a bit rough. And um, the other thing you really have to bear in mind when you're going away to see to film is that you don't have backups. You know, you can't order in a new lens if it breaks or, um, you know, you can't get a replacement for something. You can't swap someone out if they're ill. So you really have to be super prepared and make sure you have everything you need with you that you, you know, if something breaks, you've just got to fix it in situ. There's not really any other choice. Um, so yeah, it's kind of those, those sort of things you have to bear in mind. And then of course, in, in an environment like that, you know, anything can happen at any time. So uh, some documentaries we make will be very scripted and planned and, and we'll have a plan for the day and, and know what we're shooting at what time. But when you're making an observational documentary, you're really just following, following things as they happen. So there were definitely a few nights we got shaken awake at 2 a.m. because something was going on and you have to just roll out of bed, kick your camera up and, and start filming really. Actually, so um, how long are you actually at sea when you um, do sea filming? Oh gosh, it just depends on the, it depends on the film really. So the project I did last year, I was away for a couple of months. Um, but it, yeah, it really just depends on the documentary. There's some projects people go away for, you know, seven, eight months at a time. So um, yeah, you you choose to commit when you sign up really. How do you come up with ideas for the for each documentary? That is a very good question. Um, I guess it's much like any creative industry. Brainstorming new ideas is is a sort of constant demand of the job. Uh, we do it. Uh, I'm a film director and producer, and I also film. Uh, so sometimes I'll do that, and I'll come up with ideas and pitch them. But most companies also have dedicated development teams who they never actually make the films. Their sole job is to come up with ideas, write them up, make glossy little taster tapes and pitch them to channels to try and get them funded. And then as soon as they're funded, great, green tick, they hand them off to the to the film team, people like me to make them, and then they start on the next idea. So um, it's a really specialist skill. Uh, it, you, it's almost a different mindset you have to have. Uh, when you're developing ideas, you need to be as creative and ambitious as possible. And then as soon as you flip into production and you're actually making the film, then you have to be as practical <laughs> and as uh, pragmatic as possible. So sometimes it helps to have two different sets of people doing those two things, because sometimes if you ask a filmmaker to, to plan a documentary, they start scaling it back to try and make it more achievable. Whereas actually it's a really good thing, I think, to have people who will never have to deal with the problems of actually making it happen. But their job is just to dream really, really big. And that's how you come up with really exciting new ideas and, and really cool projects. Um, why did you choose to study biology? Um, so I didn't really even have to think about it. I uh, chose to study biology because I was obsessed with animals since I was really tiny and plants and how they work and why they are the way they are. Um, I really enjoyed biology at school. I enjoyed all the sciences, but I think um, I definitely, yeah, the bug for 
excuse my pun, the bugs biology definitely, definitely got me. Um, so yeah, it was really a no-brainer when it came to, to, to studying GCSEs and A-levels and choosing university. There was nothing I really wanted to do more. I loved, I always loved art and creativity and um, I'd say I enjoyed those subjects on par, but my view was that you would, I would have closed off options of having a scientific career if I hadn't done a degree in it. So to me, it was really always important to get that training and those qualifications to, to be able to sort of pursue anything I wanted. Cause I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do when I was at school, but um, it felt like a good decision to kind of follow what I was really passionate about. What sort of specific topics did you look at? Uh, when I was at school or when I was at university? Uh, what university? So I studied biological sciences, which tried to give us a really good grounding in kind of most of the, the main pillars of biology. And in first year, what you almost always find is that you have, you don't get much choice. You have to study a kind of a range of basic topics. So that was everything from evolution to uh, cellular biology, cells and genes, biochemistry, um, animal behavior, all the different, um, you know, really just learning all the different major groups of animals and plants and, and bacteria and all the different taxonomies and that kind of thing. Um, and then as you go through the subsequent years in, in your studies, in your degree, you get to choose and tailor a little bit more the, the topics you want to study. So. I always liked what my professors liked to call charismatic megafauna, which are the, the big, exciting, fluffy animals that everyone loves, like pandas and dolphins. And uh, they always got very sad that people weren't ever quite as excited about the little bugs or the bacteria. Although I did, I did love them too. I have a very soft spot in my heart for insects. Um, so I studied evolution, ecology, animal behavior, um, a lot of evolutionary biology, which is looking at how how we have ended up the way we are, not just us, but all the different organisms that exist on Earth, how the processes work to slowly adapt and change, uh, how the different kind of evolutionary conflicts arise and, and, and resolve themselves. And it feeds into so much stuff, not just your anatomy and history and paleontology, but things like uh, tackling diseases and epidemiology as well. It all comes back to evolutionary biology. Uh, anything to do with raising offspring and um, social evolution, you know, it all comes back to that. It's really, really exciting. How did you go from studying biology to making, to producing documentaries? Um, so when I was at university, uh, up until I was at university, I think I always assumed I wanted to be a research scientist. Um, and going through university, at the end of your last year, you do a mini research project, which is kind of a taster of what life will be like if you choose to go into scientific research. And I just found that the switch from learning, essentially researching a new topic each week and writing an essay on it and having a discussion about it that I'd done in the first two years of my degree, I absolutely loved. And then when it came time to really focusing down for a long period of time on just one topic and doing really painstaking research and, and essentially focusing very, very hard on a very tiny question rather than focusing in quite a shallow way on lots of different questions. Um, I found the focus just wasn't something that suited me so well and uh, working alone didn't suit me so well. And um, I realized that I much preferred the perhaps slightly lazy approach of 
leaving it to other people to do the painstaking research and make the discoveries and publish the papers and spend decades of their life answering tiny but very important questions about how the world works. And I really enjoyed getting to sit down and read the article they wrote at the end of those 10 years and absorb all their hard work and then move on to the next topic. So um, it was quite clear to me that probably staying in research wasn't necessarily the best fit for me. Um, and actually journalism was something that always appealed and I think maintained a lot of the aspects of university that I really enjoyed, learning new things every week, getting to really quickly get across topics and uh, absorb them and uh, regurgitate them in a way that made sense and, and uh, spreading essentially awareness of, of things that I found interesting and thought were important. Um, and then with filmmaking, it was this really lovely additional aspect of, of all that creativity and the photography and storytelling and getting to use music and color and, um, it's a really happy medium for me between uh, my scientific interests and my creative interests. So um, I think it's one of the really important things to remember about science is there's so many different careers you can have in the field. Uh, you can 100% be a research scientist and there are so many different, uh, different fields you can go into, but you know, you also have science policymakers and science journalists and uh, you know, teachers and it's it's one of the really important things to remember is we all kind of rely on each other you know I couldn't do my job without the research scientists out there working really hard to discover new things but similarly they'd find it hard to do their job without science policy makers and none of us would know anything at all without our amazing science teachers at school so it, it really is a kind of big collaborative effort in the pursuit of something that I think we hopefully all agree is uh, is important and worth pursuing. Oh, no, I was just going to ask um, the filming technique, because you also film a lot of these documentaries. You do, indeed. Right? Where, like, how did you learn, because um, obviously you studied biology at university, mm -hmm. but where did you learn the filming part of that? So I learned to film on the job, um, which is not necessarily uncommon. I think people, the lovely thing about making documentaries is people come at it from all different angles. So some people have studied uh, journalism, some people have studied filmmaking or camera work, some people come at it through a specialist topic, so science or history or current affairs or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, and there's kind of space for everyone and everyone brings different skills and experiences. And then there's room when you start working to learn some of the things that you maybe haven't had as much grounding in yet. So I was really lucky I got to work uh, when I was a researcher and an assistant producer, I got to work with directors that did their own filming. Um, and they sort of, we had a second camera, they taught me how to use it. It was my job to get the less important shots. And um, it was something I really loved doing. And it's something that tapped into a lot of the photography that I did in my spare time and enjoyed. Um, so just from there really chose jobs that would give me the opportunity to keep filming and you know you learn as you do it and you make mistakes on the go and you try and look at the people above you who are teaching you and, and learn from their mistakes before you make them yourself but um, I think it's a really it's really important sometimes to be brave and to have a go at things and to trust yourself and to not be afraid to kind of take that first step. It can, it's, I was a little bit afraid at the start that I'd start filming and it would be awful and I'd never work again. But um, yeah, I think having a little bit of faith in yourself and starting off small and just building and, you know, like with everything in life, practice practice is really, really key. You just have to put time and effort 
into to honing your skills and learning and I'm still learning new things all the time and I, people who are 10 20 years more experienced than me are still learning new things so it, it never ends really but that's kind of the joy of it how do you make a really engaging documentary that is an excellent question Finley um I think all of us are constantly trying to pursue the answer to that question I can't necessarily say I've ever made a perfect one but I think the particularly for the kind of films I make there are two main things that we try and do and I think the first is showing people things that are surprising that they don't expect uh, maybe allowing them to have experiences they haven't had before uh, one of the really privileged things we get to do is to go to spaces uh, and meet people that people sitting at home wouldn't have the opportunity to and, and by filming it and telling those stories we get we allow people at home to have those experiences sort of through through their screen um, so I think certainly the films that I love watching are ones where I get to go to a place that I've never been to and feel like I'm there and uh, learn new things and see brand new things I've never seen before um, but I think the other really important thing when you're making any kind of any kind of film whether it's a documentary or feature film is is in the storytelling and it's really important to tell stories in a way that people can connect with um, and to identify not just the facts because anyone can read an article or a scientific paper or a Wikipedia page, but actually finding the sort of nugget of the story and, and what the challenges, you know, who, who, who is your heart with in the film? What are they trying to achieve? What are the obstacles in their way? Uh, and do they manage to do it? And that can be a person, it can be a scientist, it can be a doctor, it can be a tree, it can be a space, you know, a little space rover, it doesn't have to be a person. Um, but I think it's always really important to understand um, who is at the heart of your film. And, and that's where the secret to really good storytelling comes. I'm still working on on, on perfecting it. I have to say that I'm, I'm by no means achieving it 100% all the time, but it's what we all aim for. What was the favorite documentary you worked on? Oh gosh, that is a really hard question to answer. I have had a huge amount of fun doing my job and I have very fond memories with almost all of the films that I've made. Um, I'm gonna cheat and choose a few. I think there's sort of different, there's different categories. I have some films I've made where I've got to go to very exciting places. Um, you know, going to sea was very, very cool. One of the first jobs I did at the BBC, I got to go into some underground Egyptian tombs full of cat mummies, which was astonishing. I've been very lucky to go to the Redwood Forests in California. Um, I've been all over the world. I'm just doing a project now where we're going inside caves. You know, you get to do some really exciting things. Um, and I think, you know, particularly in the science films that I make, another huge privilege is you get to, to learn about really cutting edge science. and you know, again, I've been hugely lucky. I got to, to film inside the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, which was extraordinary. And I've gotten to visit some mountaintop telescopes all across America. And um, I've been able to, to get inside hospitals to film. I filmed one of, uh, I filmed the first uh, 
it's called a DCD heart transplant. Uh, it's a sort of new method of doing a heart transplant. And I filmed the first one that was ever done for broadcast in the world. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, you have to train as a surgeon for almost a decade to be allowed in that room to do it. Uh, and so to be allowed in there is a huge, huge, huge privilege. So I think that's the, the other really exciting part is getting to learn about stuff that happens before it even hits the news. Um, but I think beyond all that, probably my favorite films I've made are the really sensitive stories that I've covered. And a couple of years ago, I got to spend a year filming in maternity hospitals and watching babies being born. And I think actually of all the incredible things that I've done, getting to build those relationships with those parents and being allowed in that private space when they're having this incredibly private experience of having a baby, sometimes it was their first baby, sometimes the babies were really poorly, um, being trusted and allowed into that space and forming those bonds and now seeing those little babies starting to grow up was probably the most special experience I've had so far in my career. What was and is your inspiration? Oh gosh, that is a very good question. In terms of the films that I make, uh, I think a lot of creative people would agree that sort of inspiration kind of comes from all around you. Um, I really like watching drama films. Uh, I really love looking at photographers uh, and photojournalism and, and art, just learning things about framing and light and color and um, you, you know, reading stories and reading articles. You learn so much about verbal storytelling and um, really you sort of, you learn and are inspired by people all around you. Uh, in terms of the, the, the topics and the subjects of documentaries, uh, for me, I really like to make films that have a positive social impact. So uh, I try and follow the work of a lot of activists and uh, scientists that are kind of pushing to improve some of the difficult things about the world and how we treat it. And um, I think it's always important to sort of dig down and find the issues that are really important to you uh, because every single one of us can make a really, really big difference with what we do. So if you find that thing that you really value and think is really important and you try and make sure that whatever you're doing in some small way at least is, is furthering that, that goal, then um, you, know, you can end up making a really, really big difference to the world. That is amazing because I really enjoy um, doing filming and I really like science. So I think um, uh, being very cool. You sound spot on perfect. What kind of filming um, do you do? I do because I quite like doing um, visual effects. So not, um, but okay. that's just kind of like what I do. I don't really do anything with science with filming, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. But then I hadn't done anything of the two together until after I left university and I never thought they could be linked. So I think sometimes um sometimes it's important to just follow the things that you enjoy and sometimes they can combine in weird ways that you didn't expect later on um but you know if I hadn't if I hadn't indulged in doing all the photography that I loved when I was a teenager then I would have um I wouldn't have been able to become a camera woman in the way that I have now and um similarly if I hadn't done a degree in biology then I wouldn't have been able to to start off as a researcher helping you know, the teams that made science documentaries. So um, every little 
every little strand of your experience and your skills and your passions and excitement kind of contributes to opening opportunities up for you later on in your life. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I just loved the fact you were able to go to all these different places. Um, CERN, which um, I've always wanted to go to. I find that really cool. Um, as well as about um, the first DCD heart transplant. I think that's, I think that's mm-hmm. some really cool places, especially to be able to film and um, see the first one of that broadcast that definitely but it's it wasn't um it wasn't the first one ever no, to be done broadcast uh, I meant, yeah, yeah. and doctors have been doing it for a while uh and you know credit to them because it's just extraordinary but um there is something really uh, it's hard to find words to describe it but essentially the the process involves um the the heart is removed from the donor and essentially um hooked up to a blood supply in a mechanical box and we were driving down the motorway with this heart in a box and you there was a clear plastic window in the lid and you just looked at it and it's beating and you know then you get to the second hospital and and you 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 watch it being placed into and connected up into someone's chest and it, it really um it really brings home just the extraordinary skill that um that all these people have that we don't get to see as members of the public every day, whether it's a doctor or a scientist. And, and, you know, one of the great joys, again, of being a journalist or a filmmaker is that you don't just get to experience it, but you get to share your experience with other people. So it's very special getting to see this stuff, but it's also a really lovely feeling knowing you've captured it in your footage and in six months to a year, you're gonna let other people experience that too. Yeah, it must be, that must be amazing. Yeah, I think we're running out of time now, which is a shame, but um, thank you so much for answering all of our questions. You're so welcome. Was there anything else you wanted to ask before? Uh, No, I think think you answered all of the questions really well. Um, I'm so happy we um, can have you allowed us to interview you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And I really enjoy your podcast. So good for you. Uh, It's very admirable to have, um, you know, a lot of the questions you were asking me, you guys have dreamed this up out of thin air and made it happen. And um, you're doing a lot of the same processes that we do for our job. So good for you guys. Thank you. Um, cool, well, take care. Have a lovely Saturday. Uh, it was, uh, and I look forward to, to hearing the finished episode. Yeah, it should be really good. Thank you so much. Have a Bye. nice weekend, you too. No worries. Thank you. Bye, Bye. guys. Thank you. So thank you so much to Sophie Stevenson-Wright for explaining to us everything um, about the behind the scenes, um, to what it takes to be filming um, overseas, um, when you have like no backups, you need to make sure you bring everything that you really need. Um, And thank you so much to you guys for um, listening. And we hope you really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. See you next month for our next podcast. Have a good day.